Kings fans are going to be mad at me for this one. On today's show, one of the biggest villains in Sacramento Kings history, the man that broke all of our hearts with his game winner in game four of the 2002 Western Conference Finals, Robert Ori joins me right here on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked on Kings. Hello and welcome to Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all offseason long. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First-time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. That's prizepicks.com, promo code Locked On. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports reporter and producer for ABC 10 News. And before, before you throw your virtual tomatoes at me, before you write me angry emails and get loose in the comment section going, Matt, you traitor, what the hell are you doing having Robert Ori on your show? Look, he's a Kings villain for sure. And this is not the last time this week that we're going to talk about Kings villains. But Robert Ori, we had the opportunity at ABC 10 and Locked on Kings to have Robert Ori on the show. And even if he's not your favorite player, even if he's someone that you probably never want to see or hear from again, I encourage you Stick around, listen to this interview, because Robert is, of course, going to talk about his shot, although we don't spend much time on that. He's going to talk about playing in Sacramento, playing in front of Kings fans, sharing his opinion uh, on uh, this season's team um, or this this current Sacramento Kings team. Talk a little bit about De'Aaron Fox, talk about what it takes to get from uh, good where the Kings are at to great like Mike Brown wants to get them to. Robert provides, I think, a lot of really interesting perspective. Plus, as much as you hate him for his shot and his moment and what it did to the Sacramento Kings in Game 4, he's a great guy. Like, I, I really enjoyed talking to Robert. I uh, really enjoyed having him on. It was a unique opportunity, um, and I know he's not well appreciated in Sacramento Kings circles, but to have him on the Lockdown Kings podcast, I thought was a a really fun treat uh, and something that I hope you will enjoy here uh, during the offseason. So, Give it a chance. Listen to Robert a little bit. I think you'll like this conversation. If you want to get mad at anybody, you can get mad at me and feel free to respond to anything that Robert has to say or uh, or whatever. You can send it to me at Matt George uh, Sack on, on Twitter. You can find me on via email, Matt.George, uh, or rather MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com. You can send me an email there. And, of course, YouTube comment section. I know you're already getting loose about this interview, so listen to it. Respond to what you actually hear. Don't just respond to your preconceived notions of Robert Ory before you even listen to the man speak. Give this episode a try. I think you'll really appreciate uh, my conversation with King's villain, Robert Ory. Pleasure to be joined by, if we're being honest, one of the biggest villains in Sacramento <laughs> Kings history, mainly because of one moment, but in reality, because of one series that I'm biased, I consider maybe the greatest playoff series of all time, certainly the greatest Western Conference final series of all time, Sacramento Kings, Los Angeles Lakers featuring Robert Ori and the famous shot that he hit. Uh, in game four, Robert, it's a pleasure to have you here on ABC 10 and the Locked on Kings yeah. podcast, my friend. Thank you so much for joining me. Man, thanks for having me, man. 
Why, hey, why you had to start it out with me being a villain, man? <laughs> it is what it is. You know what it is. One shot can make a moment. One shot can also turn a turn a franchise against you or a fan base against you. Fans have not let that go, even though it was uh, it was so long ago. Robert, that that shot specifically, I mean, that series was just incredible. I'm going to ask you and focus more on that series and that battle than just the shot itself. But from a Sacramento perspective, that defined who Robert Ori is. But that, that shot doesn't define who you are and who you were as a, a professional NBA player, did it? Um, it's, it's so weird. Um, there's so many players in this league that can do so many different things. But once you get labeled, that's who you become. And for me, uh, you know, it started out in you know Houston, my last couple of years in Houston, and there's, oh, he's a three-point shooter. I'm like, okay, I'm labeled now. And you never want to be labeled. You just want to be a basketball player. And I think for me, it, and it's fine with me because it it, it, made me, it helped me make a lot of money. It kept me in, in the league a long time. And But it's, it's always great to have a label, a good label. You know, I remember, you know, when I left the Lakers and was playing against, you know, the Lakers and Kobe went over to Carl Malone and Kobe just looked at Carl like, don't leave Rob. Don't leave Rob. It's funny. And then and in that game, he left me, but I missed the shot. He's like, I told you not to leave Rob. And Carl, like, he misses it. I don't care. That normally doesn't happen. But, you know, it is what it is, man. But, you know, I, I love I playing in Sacramento, man. I love playing in Arco. Yeah. Speaking of Kobe, uh, I mean, I'm looking at a picture right now from, I mean, May 26th, uh, and it's him. It's Kobe. It's your teammates. It's Shaq. It's the celebration of that moment. Now, we associate that moment with heartbreak here in Sacramento. <laughs> but for you, especially with Kobe, of course, yeah. to, to have that reaction, to have that moment and be a part of the greatness that was that Lakers dynasty at that time. Uh, how, how significant was that part for you when you look back and see photos like that? Um, it's, it's great, you know, especially after his passing and understanding his passion for the game and, and the way he played the game. And just that that, that video, those, that last second shot and his excitement and Shaq's shock. And, you know, and it was just a, a great moment for me. And I think that shot, because of that stage, really made the big shot Bob, a big shot Rob, a big shot, you know, name come to light and that's what you know even when you listen to the announcers that's all they say and that for me you know that that was another moment where I had my peers to believe in me my teammates to believe in me and then you know my opponents to worry about me and, and that's what you want as a player especially a, a player like me you know you look around this league there's so many players that are like me that okay you sit over on the bench you sit over you playing the game and all of a sudden Oh, we need a shot. And they're like, hold on, man, you ain't ran no place for me all game. Now you're gonna run a play for me, you expect me to make it. And you know, and then you knock down shots. And, and I used to tell coaches, I whisper in their ear, I said, you know, you run plays for me throughout the game, you're gonna be in this position. <laughs> so, but it is what it is. And you know, Kobe, you know, Guy Rest his soul was, was a was a great teammate and a great human being. What about from the Kings side? I, I'm not sure if during the series or even after the game or anything that you, I know it wasn't, it was a pretty heated rivalry at the time, but did yeah. you ever have anybody from the Sacramento Kings mention the shot or say, Hey, nice shot. Or I hate you for hitting that shot. Or even, even to this day, like has anyone ever contacted you about that shot or talked to you from the Kings about that shot? Vlad uh, uh, and Chris, <laughs> I ran into them um, at an all-star event. That's the great thing about all-star. You get to, 
see uh, team former teammates, you know, uh, old opponents. And I have a picture of me standing between them and they both like have their fists up against my head. I'm like, you know, so it's, it's just one of those things that, you you know, you, you go out through your career basketball and you meet these guys, you talk about it. And for me, it's a way to get free dinners and free drinks when I'm out because people in <laughs> L.A. still remember that shot. You know, I was just in Sacramento a couple of months back with my son, Harvard Wesley, would play up there for the high school championship. And one of the uh, ushers was sitting there looking at me like, you know, I shouldn't let you sit here, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, hey, it didn't happen in this building, so we good, right? So, but, you know, and I, I think overall, people just like the competitive nature, the compared, competitive spirit that I play with. And, you know, one of those guys that you didn't really have to, um, you know, worry about doing any crazy stuff and just wanted to play and compete. You mentioned your so you've been inside the Golden One Center, which is excellent. I I, yes. I grew up, Robert, just so you know, I grew up in that the golden era of Arco. I grew up with mm-hmm. your guys' series, the battles between the Lakers and the Kings. And it's been a long time since Sacramento has had that kind of environment. We got that back. Kings Warriors. I wouldn't put it quite on the level of Kings Lakers rivalry or, or that yeah. series, but it did go seven games. We got that series back in Sacramento. You mentioned loving playing in Arco and loving playing in front of those fans, even if it was a hostile environment. Did it? Were you excited by it all, or did you pay any extra attention to the Kings being in the playoffs, the return of the playoffs, because of that environment that you got to participate in? Actually, I did. You know, I, I was I was very happy for the Kings organization. Um, I I think Darren Fox was a hell of a player. I actually was mad when the Lakers didn't draft him because I'm always rooting for SEC guys, you know, and and that that arena. Is so electric. And the fact that they still use the cowbells because of Phil Jackson is amazing. I know what Bob Myers, that was a you know great clipper with a fan behind him, you know, with the cowbell. He didn't even budge. <laughs> it's funny, but it, you know, the Sacramento fans are, are, are huge and they're, they're, they're great fans. And you you always think about franchises are, are in towns where that's the only show. You know, I think about when I played in the San Antonio, that's the only show. So you get a fan base like no other. They come out, they support because yeah, I don't I don't mean this in a wrong in a bad way, but they have nothing else, you know. And you think about those fans have been through some ups and downs, you know, all the way back to you know to when Mitch Richmond got there, and then you know when when Kenny Smith, Otis Thorpe, when they first got there from old days, and now you know the Chris Webber era and the Vlade Divac, the, you know. And, and and they went to the right there. Think about it. They was right there from winning a, a, a championship. And I just think if guys sit back and look at an organization, I think now with the new ownership and the way the Kings ownership is, I think that's a great franchise to play it. Hell, I would even want to coach there because I think the fan base is great. And, and it's just a, a great town to be in. And, and, and I'm happy for them. I'm glad they're back. Today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast is brought to you by Prize Picks and their amazing promotion that they have going on right now. This promotion is something you're going to want to jump on. It's their $1 million daily super flex promotion for the NBA Finals. Every day of the Finals, one Prize Picks user will win a chance at becoming a millionaire. One entry will be placed after 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time and will be randomly selected each day. Whoever placed that entry will be given a six-pick flex with the following payouts. You get six correct picks, you get a million dollars. You get five correct picks, $80,000. Four correct picks, $16,000. You can find more details about this competition at pricepicks.com slash million. When I say pr- uh, picks, what what does that mean? Well, the way price picks works, you pick two to six players 
and whether you think they're going to score more or less than their prize picks projection. So let's say for game one uh, of the uh, of the NBA Finals, there's the, the projection for Nikola Jokic is 31.5 points. The projection for Jimmy Butler is uh, 28.5 points. Let's say you take the over on both of those. You pick two to six players, you get those right, you win money right then and there. No competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. They offer safe and fast withdrawals, and it's currently operational in over 30 states and in Canada. When you sign up to play for the first time, download the PrizePix app, go to prizepix.com, use our promo code Locked On for a 100% instant deposit match up to $100, meaning you deposit $100, you get $100 right then and there. Don't forget to enter promo code Locked On and sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. With how the Sacramento Kings play, and you, I mean, you mentioned De'Aaron Fox already. You said if you were a player, you would want to play there. Like, if it, it, free agency has never been the easiest thing for the Sacramento Kings, but to you, what is the most attractive part of the Sacramento Kings that, that you say, I want to be a part of that? You know, I, I always look at stuff as a player of, of, of my caliber and what I used to. I'm like, oh, I would fit in there. Guys would play three or four or even five in this day and era. And I would say, okay, you know, you got a coach in Brown. It's like, it's like, this is good. They they look like they like each other. And that's the biggest thing when you look at guys and they, they feel they're not one of the ones they just run over and help guys up. That's just the norm. But when guys are laughing and smiling and have a love for one another, and I just think I look at that the way they've come together in the past couple of years, a great young core, and they, they just play well together. So that makes the atmosphere good. You know, we always talk about culture, especially what's going on with the Miami Heat. I think when you got a culture that starts with the coaches and staff and the ownership. That kind of trickles down to the players. They know what's you know know what's at stake. The offense is is one of the things that I think captured the attention of the entire league this year with how dynamic the Kings' offense is, the amount of scoring that they uh, they have and they bring. I mean, it's it's centered around De'Aaron Fox and Demontis Sabonis, of course. But if you could like inject yourself, prime Robert Ory, into what the Sacramento Kings' offense does, like how much would you enjoy playing in an offense like that? And do you? I mean, I know the league is very different even now. What a, what a good shot is now compared to what it was when when you were playing, <laughs> but like. Do you ever yeah. wish that you were playing in this era or were you happy with what playing in what I consider to be the golden era, in my opinion? Well, I, I just feel like I could have, you know, transitioned to do both eras. Because um, if you look at the way they play now, I mean, if we would go one for four from three, you better next time you play, go to the hole and get a basket, stop shooting threes. But now one for four, you gravy, man. You, you <laughs> probably one of the best shooters in the league. And so I think now that's one of the things that would, 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 my game would have crossed over. Because I, I look around the league, I look at you know a lot of players, and they're my build, you know, six nine, three point shooter, go to the hole, dunks, and, and that's what the league is about. You know, you only see about a handful of guys that's gonna you know pump fake and hit a mid range because it's almost like a mid range is a no no. You want to get spanked on the hand, but I, this era is a great era. I know we always want to compare eras and say who era is the best, you know, but it's just the guys now what they're able to do with the basketball. Um, the, the training, not just with the training on the outside, but what they have to go nutrition wise, go inside to keep them ready, stronger, faster. So it's a different era. And I would love to be able to take the technology and the knowledge that they have and give it to us and see how we would have been as far as like body wise strength. And because these guys now are, are crazy good with their handles, what the refs allow them to do also is a big key. So it, it, I, I would have transitioned pretty damn good to this era. 
Yeah, they say it's a it's less of a big man's game now and more of a guard's game. And yet you have MVPs, Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, who are dominating and, and winning MVPs and things like that. But when I talk about this era, I've had these conversations plenty of times. Like, would yesterday's big men thrive in today's era the way they would? And, and like, I look at Shaq, and you played with Shaq. Shaq was so dominant. I have a hard time imagining if Shaq was in his prime right now, maybe he'd be shooting more threes than he was in his time. <laughs> but do you think, like, a, a prime Shaq today – would change would change NBA back or at least still he would still thrive right in the NBA uh, if he's playing today. He would thrive even more because mm-hmm. you think about you, you cannot foul guys now just to foul them, and you look around the league. There's only maybe one guy that could stop him because his size, his strength, and his speed. You know nobody could have stopped him because at the end of the day, think about this: Shaq would have probably been twenty for twenty three in the paint. You know, that's still 40 points. And that would have, and there's no coach alive would have been like, okay, we just not gonna let Shaq kill us. We're gonna double team to get the ball out of his hand. The same when you got a KD or someone coming off the screen, you double team him to get the ball out. You still gonna stop the guy from scoring because dunks are gonna get the teammates excited. They're gonna foul guys out. And so to me, I think everybody looked at the formula that Golden State had because you always want to copy champions. And if you look back, other than the Golden State Warriors, you tell me a team that won a championship without a dominant big man. When I say dominant, like, even though you say, oh, well, Cleveland won it, they had a dominant big man in LeBron because you get to the hole, he was able to do what he wanted to do. And then you, you can't tell me the other team, and people keep trying to copy Golden State. That is an anomaly. That is a team because you got two of the best shooters ever played this game on the team. So everybody want to copy that. That's just like me taking a – a, a mule and you got a thoroughbred we going to a, a, a race you know <laughs> who's gonna win that race you and that's what i try to tell people man you just because one team does it don't mean you can do it i got two more for you robert the first one being mike brown has talked a lot about it's easy to get from bad to good it's really <laughs> hard to get from good to great and that's what the Sacramento Kings are trying to build on now. They finally broke that playoff uh, drought, so that curse is behind them. Now they're trying to get to a position where they're a perennial playoff team and hopefully eventually a, a championship team. Can you speak on that good to great gap? How difficult is it to go from, hey, we're a good team to, no, we're a, we're a winner. We actually have a chance to win a championship consistently. Well, that's the part, consistently. You know, you got to consistently be able to get up mentally um, because the physical part, we know it's hard, but the mental part is even harder. And I think a lot of guys have understand that once they get in the league, because as soon as the season over, what do you do? A lot of guys jump back into the gym to get ready for the next season. But I always feel like you have to get that time, that battery to recharge. You have to take some time off to spend with your family, you know, let your body heal. But so many guys now, they jump right back into the gym. So I do know by the time the season's up, you don't have that energy and that drive and you wonder why your jump shot short. Um, but I, I think what he said is is, is on the money. Um, you know, you, you consider, you know, the, the Lakers a dynasty when I played for them. You consider the Spurs a dynasty when I joined them. And it's the consistency of the, the, the core players, the big dogs, and the willingness for them to sacrifice them. You know, if you think about it, San Antonio is a perfect example. Um, you think about Tim, you had David Robinson was so dominant. Tim comes in, he passes the torch, but still there. You know, he's still there. He takes a, you know, lesser role. And then when Tony Parker comes in, he hits the prime, his prime step. Tim takes a step back. And and most big men or most superstars, I should say, they have that fear to step back and hand the reins over. 
you know, you can even go down to the Miami Heat when Dwayne Wade let LeBron come in. I know LeBron is that guy, but he said he took a backseat. And let's say if you had another guy to come into the Sacramento as they get better and they grow this thing, will Darren Fox be able to take a step back? You know, because he's a superstar. And I'm sure he would because he wants to win. And that's the sign of greatness when the when the superstars say, okay, I got this young buck over here that's probably a little bit better than me. Do I have the ego, the mentality, or whatever you want to call it, to step back and let this guy thrive? And that's how you stay great for the superstars to take a step back or the superstars just dominate like Shaq and Kobe did. <laughs> Finally, Robert, uh, I had Doug Christie on um, a, a while ago when I did an audio documentary about the 2002 series, and he called... He called that series simply basketball nirvana. He just says when he thinks back to that time, it's like that's everything you play for. That's everything you dream of, even though the Kings didn't win that series and there was the heartbreak at the end of it. He he remembers that series and that time so fondly. Do you view that series and that 2002 time of your career as the same? Like that's that's what you that's what it's all about. It is. Um, you think about when you talk about a small robbery for a small stint, you have that you have teams that matched up pretty well. Um, you had a team that wanted what we had. It's so many, you know, scenarios that you can pick out. And I think for me, and you look at the way, you know, Chris Weber plays pretty much how Denver's playing right now. They pretty much run in the same system. You watch them. And it, it is amazing. And you, you take pieces from greatness. And what they used to do with Bibby and Doug was it was was amazing. And Vladi, you know, rebounding a guy who could shoot threes and, you know, Chris, is a Swiss Army Knight who can do a little bit of everything. And it was it was a greatness. And you look at our team, we had pretty much the same team, except we had a big man that was just a little bit more dominant than their big man. And then probably one of the best athletes that played the game in Kobe. And, 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 and what it boils down to is, you know, we always talk about this, that this is a new theme is the culture, you know, and, and it's, it can start in the staff, but it has to thrive with the players. And I think when they had that team, even when they had white chocolate, you know, there was an exciting team. They were, but they needed something else to go from fancy to uh, fancy flash to consistency. And when they got Bibby, they had that. And I think if you watch the way Bibby plays, it kind of reminds you of De'Aaron Fox. If he probably shoots the ball a little more, but it was basketball nirvana. And I probably have to steal that. <laughs> but it was just a great, and, and it's not just our series. You know, it's other series that were around the league that was great. You think about the Miami Heat. In the Knicks series, how great mm -hmm. that was. And you you think about, you know, uh, the Atlanta Hawks when they were back with Dominique and Kevin Willis and that crew. It's so many series. You, Reggie Miller, the Knicks, it's so many series throughout that time period, you know, were just great series where you went out and battled. And, and, and you know, I'm just happy that I got to play in that era because I think that era was the era where NBA basketball started taking its big shine. You know, you had the, the year when Jordan first started winning championships. That's when everybody started, you know, fans and the, the world started, you know, peaking up. You know, you're like, who's this? Okay. And then Dream Team kind of made it even global. And next thing you know, we got this era for about 25 years where it was just ground and pound. You know, now it's flash and fast, but I still, I like both eras and I'm just happy to have been a part of the NBA family. 
I really appreciate Robert for joining me and for spending the time to talk about a shot that I'm sure he's talked about a million times over the course of his career and to, uh, to talk about Sacramento and the Kings fans and spend that time the way that he did. I really appreciate it, especially during this, uh, this busy time. Um, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I hope you enjoyed that interview. Look, I will admit I enjoyed the interview. I enjoyed talking to Robert, even if it's a painful memory, whatever. I think I'm able to put it behind me a little bit enough to have a conversation with a former NBA player and someone with a history against the Sacramento Kings. So I enjoyed it. I hope you did as well. If you want to throw your virtual tomatoes, go ahead. I'm too fast. I'm going to dodge them. I was really good in dodgeball. No, it wasn't. Um, but I hope this you won't judge the show by any means based off of this kind of conversation. It was a unique opportunity that that uh, I had, and I absolutely took it. Um, so this isn't what Locked on Kings is. You're not going to see former Lakers and Kings villains on the air uh, all the time. If you're new to the show going, what the hell is the Kings podcast? And Robert Ori is the guest. I know. I understand. This is not what Locked on Kings normally is. It's the off season and it was a fun opportunity and I jumped on it. So I appreciate you taking the time to listen as always. Hope you will join me uh, for the remainder of this week. Got more draft coverage going on. The Kings are having some pre-draft workouts. Uh, to talk a little bit about. Um, I also, like I mentioned, I'm going to do a podcast later on this week talking more about King's villains. Now, I won't have a King's villain on for that podcast. At least I don't plan to at this point in time, but I'm going to do a fun episode uh, with a uh, a media member here in Sacramento um, who knows a, a thing or two about Sacramento King's villains. <laughs> and uh, he and I are going to uh, dive through and go through the history of some of the biggest villains in, in Sacramento King's history and, and talk about those a little bit. That's coming later on this week as well. So I hope you'll join me for that. Appreciate your support as always. Can't wait to have you join me on the next episode of Locked on Kings. Until then, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to the Locked on Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. 